for organizing everything always. I'd like to thank the student government, ably led by Remendi and the entire, all the officers in the student government and all the people that are not in the student government but still helped out tonight in whatever capacity. I'd like to thank the Mashkiach band. Yeshua, Shlomo, Yaakov, and Chaim, who did an amazing job. And I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for, for coming here this evening and being mishtatif in this beautiful tish. One of the things that we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for after the Nisim and the Neflois and the Yeshuais is Valhamulchamais. We thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the wars. And it's been pointed out that this is a very strange thank you to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for war is not a Jewish concept. We're not bloodthirsty people. We're not people that relish military battles and military triumphs. In fact, the Meshachachma famously says that if you contrast Klal Yisrael with Umay Sa'ilam, Umay Sa'ilam, they celebrate the days their holidays, many of them are days that they triumphed militarily over their enemies. And they make big parades on those days. And they celebrate those days because that's the day that they were able to vanquish their foes. Klal Yisrael, if you examine all the Yom Taivim that we have, Bahavdil. We don't celebrate the defeat of our enemies. We always celebrate the day after, the day that we were able to move beyond the war to a day that we're able to once again just be ourselves. Chanukah is a time of Chanukah. Hey, we rested. We became one, once more a people of peace. We didn't need to engage in warfare. Purim is the Yayim Asher, the days that the Jews, again, rested, relaxed from their enemies. We don't celebrate military victories. We celebrate the freedom to not have to be engaged in military conquest. So what does this mean that we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the Melchamas, I'd like to suggest that that's precisely what we're saying when we speak about Vi'ala Melchames. It's the Melchames Sisa Laviseinu. It's the fact that Akrishbarch, you, you were the one that fought the wars for us, so that we didn't have to fight the war. 
You are the one that was Ravta Srivam. You fought the battles that we didn't have to. The Morakadish Barhu showed his mastery over Mulchama. As we say every day in Davening, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Baal Melchama. As we say in Az Yashi Hashem Ish Melchama. The more HaKadosh Baruch Hu is able to be in control of all of the military battles. And he's the one that defeats our enemies, not us. If we do anything, it's just merely we go through the motions. Ela Varechev. It's not our military prowess. It's not our brilliant strategies of war. It's your spirit that guides us and that strengthens us and that enables our victories. And so when we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the Muhammad, what we're basically saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that you are the Baal Muhammad, but we are not. We emphasize that we are not people that are Isaac and Muhammad in any form. That's not what we are. Yidin are not people that are warriors. We're not people that are battle-hardened. When we do fight, it's purely in defense and self-defense, and we do it in the most edor, proper way possible. But it's not us. It doesn't define us. It doesn't excite us. But rather, we do it, but it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's guiding hand that does it, and we stay pure. We stay untainted by battle. We're not affected by it. It doesn't consume us. It's not what defines us. It's not what inspires us. Our enemies, they live and they die by the sword, but we live and die by the kol kol yakiv. Tzayomad. On Hanukkah, we don't find too many Mishnayas that discuss Purim, that discuss Hanukkah, rather. For some reason, Purim gets major billing in the Mishnayas. The whole Masechta called Masechus Megillah, one Mishnah after another Mishnah speaking about the days that we lay in the Megillah, how we lay in the Megillah, all of the many, many details that go into the Megillah and Purim, there's no shortage of Mishnayis. You'd expect that Hanukkah would give, we would have equal billing. Hanukkah is also same sort of Yantav Durabanan like Purim, but yet there's scattered Mishnayas. There are eight Mishnayas throughout Shas that speak about it, but in a very, very Agavdika way. Doesn't really make mention 
Chabad as a Mesechta in and of itself. It doesn't speak about the many halachas that go into the Menorah, into the all of the mitzvahs hayyim that we have on Hanukkah. Very, very few. We know in Benagea uh, Bavakama, we know there's a, a Mishnah about how if a Gamal is walking down a street on Hanukkah and he knocks over a, a lamp by a Chanus, whether you're Chayev or you're Pater, these are things that, is, but it's very, ten, it's very not direct a Hanukkah Mishnah. It's just Agav. There are Mishnayas elsewhere throughout Shas. Total of eight Mishnayas in Rosh Hashanah and Tainas, Megillah, Maikotan, Babakama, Tainas. But there's no major Mesechta. It's almost like Rabbi Yudah Nasi was avoiding Hanukkah for some reason. And in fact, the Chasam Seifer is quoted in the Sefer Chutam Mishulosh, which is generally a very reliable source for things about the Chasam Seifer and the Chasam Seifer's Mishpacha, that the Chasam Seifer said, Adover Pella. He said that the reason why Rabbi Yudah Nasi sort of avoided speaking about Hanukkah in his Mishnayis that he wrote was because Rabbi Yehuda Nasi was from Shevet Yehuda. He was from the Shevet of Malchus. And we know the Ramban says that the Chashmainoim, they did a chet. They were chayte by taking over the kingship after the nace of Hanukkah. They took over the Malucha, the Malchus-based Chashmainoi. And this was an Avera because of, it was in violation of the Pasuk of Layasr Shevet Yehuda. The Yehuda is always supposed to be the one that reigns in Klal Yisrael. And here we have all of a sudden Chashmanam usurping the power of Shevet Yehuda. And they, were, they did a chet, says the Ramban. Zak the Chasam Seifer, as quoted in the Chut HaMesholosh, that because of this, Rabbi Yudah Nasi had a taina against Hanukkah, Kaviyachal. He had a taina against the Chashmanam. How dare you take away my Mishpachas? Shlita over Klal Yisrael. It was a chet that you did. And because of this, the Chassam Seifer is quoted as saying that Rabbi Yudan Nasi avoided, except for a few places here and there, Derech Agav, mentioning in earnest the Nase of Hanukkah, the Yantav of Hanukkah, because he had tainus against the whole episode of Hanukkah. And there are many, many people that believe that the Chassam Seifer never said this. That this is something that would be sacrilege to believe that the Chassam Seifer, Hashem Yipivanu Chayim, would say such words. And there's many, many different reasons why they feel that this Vard of the Chutamisholosh is inaccurate. First of all, the Chassam Seifer never in all of his Svarim mentioned such a thing. It doesn't make sense that Rabida Hanasi would go against the Yantiv Durabon of Hanukkah. This is something that it's it's not it's not debatable. There is a Yantiv of Hanukkah. This is not something that's subject to debate. And furthermore, one of the Rayas, beautiful Raya, is that Hillel, who was also from Sheva Yehuda before Rabida Hanasi. He could have the same taina against, against the Chashmainayim. 
But look at what Beis Hillel did. Beis Hillel did Mahadrin min Mahadrin. Beis Hillel says, Mahadrin min Mahadrin. Every single night you add another nair to the Menaira. We go above and beyond the regular, most basic form of the mitzvah, which is Neri Shubesai, above and beyond the regular Mahadrin. But it's, they go Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. Here comes Beis Hillel, who was from Shevet Yehuda. He had the same opportunity to have Tainus, and he didn't have Tainus. He went and he. He said, absolutely not. I'm not going to have any tainus. I'm not fighting with Shevet, with, with the Chashmai Noim. I'm going to be Mahadrim and Amahadrin in order to double down on the mitzvah of Ner Chanukah, in order to make sure that Chanukah is on the Tachlis HaHidr. This is what we find, Mitzar Echad, that Hillel and his yeshiva and Beis Hillel they went and they were Makabel, the Chashmainam, with open arms. They weren't able to fight. They weren't Bali Mochama. And the Chashmainam, on their part, the Svasema says that the reason why, when the Chashmainam defeated the Ivanim, Kavom, the Asaim, they made these Yemei Chanukah behalal v'haydah. They were kaveat with halal and haydah. What's halal? What's the halal that we sing every morning of Yemei Chanukah? Who composed halal? Zaktesvas Emes David Amelech. David Amelech was from Shevet Yehuda. The Chashmainoim and the Chachmei Hadar in the times of Chanukah. They wanted to make Shalom right away with Shevet Yehuda. They felt bad that the Kayach of Shevet Yehuda was in some way usurped. It was undermined. And they didn't want to just completely exclude Shevet Yehuda. So when they made Hanukkah, they wired Hanukkah, they designed Hanukkah, they baked into the Yantav of Hanukkah, to embrace David HaMelech, to embrace Malchus Beis Yehuda, so that there's no hard feelings. There's no machlaikas here. People that rub their hands and they salivate every time there's an opportunity to make machlaikas. They're not going to find machlaikas in Hanukkah. We're not going to give them that opportunity to say that this is what the Chassam Seifer said. It's impossible. There's no machlaikas. There's no sikhsuch. We can't characterize Hanukkah as a yantav of any form of machlekes. Because Fakert, the whole mahus of Hanukkah, was saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that you are the Baal Mulchama. You create the Mulchama for us, that we don't have to, so we can be the peaceful, harmonious people that we really should be and that we are, B'mohuseinu. And Hanukkah is a time that the Chashmainah embraced David HaMelech, and the Malchus Beis Yehuda, as, as headed by Beis Hillel, embraces the whole Nase of Hanukkah with the Chashmainayim. There was an embrace, there was an ishika between the two potentially warring factors. There's no machlekes here. I can't fight with you. I'm not about Muhammad. This isn't who I am. You want to fight, go pick a fight with somebody else, but I'm not a fighter. 
I want to tell you a few mices. To illustrate how Yidin act and Yidin behave and how far away from Machlekes they run. Because sometimes in life we fall into the trap of Machlekes. Politically, in communal life, there is very often machlekes and shuls and yeshivas. In families, we have machleksen with our brothers, with our sisters, with our parents, with our in-laws, with our spouses, with our children. In business, there is machlekes. Throughout life, you're going to be faced very often with the opportunity to engage in machlekes. And it's important for us to be mechonuch, to remember what we're speaking about this Hanukkah. And how important it is to run away from machlekes like you would run away from fire. Sometimes you find, by certain chasidim, that there is a long-standing machlekes between two different chassidusen. And it's very sad and it's very unfortunate, but this is the reality. This is the reality. And one time there was a chassidish rebbe who just yarshened the, 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 to be the rebbe. He just became the new rebbe. And his first order of business when he became the Rebbe was he called up the opposing Rebbe from the other Hasidus and he said, I want to make peace with you. I want to make Shalom. Now, the old Hasidim from the previous Rebbe and the, the Rebbe's father, they were very upset by this. This isn't with our Messiah. Our Messiah is that we fight with our Hasidus. And what do you have? What are you doing over here? You're ruining everything. It's all. It's no fun. Need a need another opposing team. And there was some big tightness within that Rebbe's court. And the Rebbe said the following. He says, "What are you telling me?" He said, I should be like my father, should be like my grandfather. He says, I don't have my grandfather or my father's Tyra. They were such, a, they were such giants in Tyra. I don't come to their ankles in Tyra. I don't come to their ankles in their Kedusha. I don't come to their ankles in their Tyra. I'm completely... I don't have anything of theirs. So I should have their machlekes? It's not me. If they had machlekes, that was their cheshman. But just like I have nothing else from them, I don't want their machlekes either. We're not Bali Melchama. Ravta, Sriva, Makadish, Parchu, when need be, he's the one that's Rav, our Rivenu. And we say it on Hanukkah, and we say it on Purim, Aravis Rivenu, 
He takes care of it. He's in charge of the Mulchama. But he doesn't want us to be in charge of Mulchama. He wants to take care of it himself. Because there are times that Mulchamas need to be waged, but it's not our responsibility to wage those wars. There is a person by the name of Joseph Dweck. Joseph Dweck is a Syrian, he was Nifter a few years ago. He was a Syrian Balabas who lived in Flatbush in the Syrian community. And there's a great book that's written about him. It's called Joseph. It's one of my favorite books because it's not written about an Adam Gadol. It's not written about a Rosh Hashiva or a Rebbe or a, uh, a big tzaddik. He was a tzaddik, but he was a regular living, breathing Balabas. He was very successful in business. He ran the Svardik Biker Chaylam in Flatbush, which is a very, very big tzedakah foundation that takes care of a lot of people in need in the Syrian community. He worked in a very large business that he owned. He was very successful. He sold tablecloths and napkins, cloth, napkins and tablecloths, and he was the number one supplier for Walmart. If you have a big contract with Walmart, you're okay. It means you're supplying every single huge Walmart in the country. And he was the one that supplied all of the tablecloths and all of the napkins and all of the associated products in his line. Was, he was the sole distributor to Walmart. Now, Joseph had a, a Rav who used to learn with him Bechavrusa, and they would learn every single morning, and one day Joseph had to go to Bentonville, Arkansas. Bentonville, Arkansas is where the headquarters of Walmart is. And Joseph said to his Chavrusa, to his Rebbe, says, Kvod Arav, I have to go today to Bentonville, would you like to fly together with me? And we'll, lo- we'll learn on the airplane, we'll learn in the waiting room. I have to have a, I have a meeting with, my, with, a, with a purchaser in Walmart. So the Rav says, sure, I'll come with you. So they go together on his private jet, and they land in Bentonville, Arkansas, and they go in, and they're sitting in the very well-appointed waiting room of Walmart, and they're learning together in the waiting room. And he's waiting to have this meeting with his big supply, with his big buyer. And all of a sudden, the Rav notices that Joseph is a little distracted, and and he looks at Joseph, and Joseph is looking at somebody in the other corner of the waiting room. And he can't learn, he can't concentrate. So he says, Joseph, what's wrong? What are, you, what are you so busy with that guy for? He says, you see that fellow over there in the other corner? He's, he's a Yid, he's Jewish. And he's my competitor. He sells the same exact schayr as I sell. I want to go to him and I want to see what he's doing here. So he gets up. 
And he gives him Shalom Aleichem, and he says, what are you doing here? So he says, I'm trying to sell my Shaira to Walmart. I want to get a contract. I want to get an account also with Walmart, selling my tablecloths and my napkins. So the Rav is sitting, is watching this, and he thinks there's going to be a major machlekas here. And maybe Joseph is going to physically kick him out of the waiting room. This is my turf, and it's a turf war, and it's me or him, or it's do or die. And Joseph asks him, do you have an appointment here? He says, no, I, I felt that I maybe would be able to just come and show up and get a, get a meeting with him. So he said, well, did, did you bring any, any supplies, any, anything to show him? He says, yeah, it's, it's all in my car. I didn't think that I should, I should bring it in because it would be presumptuous. I didn't know if I'd get a meeting even. He says, he says to the rabbi, come, let's go. And they go out to his car together with him, and they start schlepping the, the produce, the supplies, the samples, the posters, the, the loose leaves, the binders, all of the information that he needs to make a normal presentation to the buyer of Walmart. And they bring it into the waiting room. And then he says, wait here a second. Then he goes down the hallway, and he knocks on the door of the purchaser for Walmart, who's a huge person, you can't get a meeting with him, it's impossible. And he says to him, he said, Steve, he says, Joseph, how are you doing? We're going to meet in a few minutes. He says, yes, Steve, I just wanted to ask you something. There's another guy that came also, and he has very good wares, and I'd like you to meet with him. He says, Joseph, what, what, what kind of wares is he selling? He says, basically the same as me. He says, no, no, Joseph, we're very happy with what you supply us. He says, no. So I want you to also give him a contract. I want you to give him an account. And this Rav, his mouth was agape. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. And afterwards he says, and then he says to the guy, he says, come. And he helps him schlep in all of his stuff into the meeting. And he talk got an account. He says, Joseph, are you crazy? What are you doing? This is your business. How can you do this? And Joseph says, there's a God in the world. And there's plenty of money to go around. It's not my job to fight with people. It's not my job to compete with people. The Rabbi time will give me what I deserve and let him give some other people what they deserve. This is what a Yid is. A Yid is somebody that's not territorial. He's not a, he doesn't have that killer instinct that you need in business, they tell us. It's not a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Somebody told me that they were in Columbia Law School. And at the time, I'm sure today it's much different, but at the time before the age of computers, we're going back now 20, 30, 40 years, there used to be such competitiveness in Columbia Law School that when the professor would post on the bulletin board what the assignment was for homework, a guy would go and look at it, and when nobody was looking, tear it down so that nobody else would be able to see it. And everybody else would get in trouble the next day that they don't have their assignment. And in business, this is the way it is. You can't let somebody else have even an inch of business 
You can't let somebody have any territory. If somebody in, encroaches a mashu over your gavol, you have to stomp them out. You have to be a baal You have to be a meriv. This is not a Yiddish thing, though. This is Rabbi This is what we became. We became people that have no ethics. We have no honesty. We have no bitachin. We leave nothing to chance. Everything has to be on our terms. And if somebody remotely insults us, encroaches upon our territory, starts up with us, we right away have to go for the jugular. Hanukkah teaches us different. Hanukkah teaches us that the Rabbi Shalom, you are the Baal You wage war. The Pasuk says, Hashem ish Hashem shemai. Not that he's a Baal but HaKadosh Baruch is at the same time that he's an Ish Mulchama when he has to, Hashem shemai. Rashi says there in Chumash, in the Shira, that Afilu even when you're engaged in Mulchamais, Hashem Shemai, you're not tainted. You still are able to be Gaimel Chesed to people. Shalaikimid, that's Basav Adam, that's not. When Basav Adam is engaged in war, he's all in. He can't have any Rachmanis. He's totally focused and consumed by the Mulchama that he's in. And he can't have mercy, he can't have compassion, he can't have sympathy. The Rabbi Nisham teaches us that we can't be Anish Melchama. Leave that to him. We have to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu's people. People that are Ayev Shalom, Vereidev Shalom. We have to be people that avoid Melchama at all costs. We take the high road. We don't start up with people. We let other people walk over us and not we walk over them. We're Mevater. There's a beautiful Misa when Rabbi Yashiv was in the hospital, and he was very sick, and they made a minion for him on Shabbos morning in the hospital. And many people wanted to get into the wanted to get into the room to Davin with Rabbi, with Rabbi Yashiv and there was a they needed a Balkaire and there was a young Bar Mitzvah he was maybe 14 years old and his mother was very sick in the hospital and that's why he was in the hospital that Shabbos and he had the tremendous chos of leaning that parsha for Rabbi Yashiv and afterwards, Rabbi Yashiv told him that you did such a beautiful job. And he says, Rabbi, in this chus that I was able to lane for you, would it be okay if I bring my mother down to get a bracha? And Rabbi Yashiv said, sure. She came down and Rabbi Yashiv gave her a bracha and he said how beautiful her son leaned. And she said, Rabbi, I want you to know what the schus that he had to lane for the Rav was. The schus that he had was that this was his bar mitzvah parsha. Last year, he prepared for months in advance that he could lane the bar mitzvah parsha perfectly. 
And this, the morning that he came to Shul to Lane, there was another bar mitzvah boy in that same Shul. It was his bar mitzvah also. The Gabbai didn't hop. The Gabbai overlooked this fact. And there were two bar mitzvah boys who were prepared to Lane. She said, my son, as much as he wanted to lay in that morning, he understood how much it meant to the other bar mitzvah bacher to lay And he was totally mevater. He says, I am not going to lay Let him lay The kachava, the other bacher lay the entire bar mitzvah parasha. And this bacher was quiet. And the mother said that that was the schus, I believe, that he was zeichet this year to lane for the Rav. In the schus that he was mevater, he didn't make a machlekes, he didn't go crazy, he wasn't, he didn't get violent, he didn't get apoplectic, it's my bar mitzvah, it's not his bar mitzvah, who, who, the gabe is crazy, this guy's crazy, that guy's crazy. It was a mistake. Human beings make mistakes. It's not the end of the world. Let's keep things in perspective. Let him lane. I want him to lane. What do you mean you want him to lane? This is your parsha. You worked so hard. It's your right. It's your God-given right to lane this parsha. It's your constitutional right. No. I'm willing to be mevatah. I'm overriding any schus that I have. You lane. Let him get nachas. Let his parents get nachas. And in that schus, he was zeichet to be mighty Rebbe Yashiv and get a bracha for his mother. In the schus that he was mevater. This is what a yid is. A yid is somebody that knows the art of vitor, that doesn't get, let things get out of hand. It's so easy in life for us to get crazy about little things. But this is not the Derech HaTayra, this is not what the Rabbani Shalom wants from us. The Rabbani Shalom wants for us to be Bnei Shalom. HaKadosh Baruch is Rav Arivenu. But he wants us to not. Hanukkah Hanukkah is a time of Shalom Bayis it's a time of Shalom Bayis said over on Shabbos the Maisa with the Rebbe of the Chavetz Chaim Reb Nachumka Reb Nachumka was a, a big tzaddik a nister and one night of Hanukkah when the Chavetz Chaim as a younger person was by him the Zman of Hadlokas Neirah, Shkia, or after Shkia, or Baitseis, whatever the Zman was, it came and it went. Reb Nachumka wasn't lighting his Menaira. And the Chavetz Chaim was getting very agitated. The Chavetz Chaim was the Baal Mishnaburu. He wanted to, lay, to light the Menaira on time. And it was now a half an hour after Tseis, and an hour after Tseis, and an hour and a half after Tseis, and his Rebbe was just sitting there and waiting and waiting, and he didn't understand it. We didn't have the the chutzpah to ask his rabbi what was holding back that locker. All of a sudden, Reb Nachum Kuz comes in and 
and all of a sudden Rav Nachumka jumps up, he wishes her greetings, and he goes over to his nearest and he starts lighting with a bracha. And the Chavetz Chaim asks him, Rebbe, can I ask you a question? What was the Rebbe thinking about waiting so long after the Zman of Adlaka? So he says, there's a Gemara in Shabbos that says that if you have a choice between using, let's say you only have one ner, and you have a choice between using it for ner Shabbos or using it for ner Hanukkah. Let's say it's Friday night and you don't know which to use it for. So which should you use it for? The Gemara says that you should use it for ner Shabbos, Bisham Shalom Bayis, because on Shabbos, the ner Shabbos that we light is for Shalom Bayis. So you don't trip, you don't fall, you don't hurt yourself. This is the point of Nehra Shabbos. And, and Shalom Bayes trumps Nehra's Hanukkah. He says, I learned from this that Shalom Bayes is more important than Nehra Hanukkah is. My wife likes it when I'm when I wait for her to light. She had to go out, she went to work, she went shopping, she was coming home at a later time. She doesn't want to come home and see the candles already lit. She likes it when she comes home and I light for her and I make the brachas in front of her. That's my shalom bias. And that's more important even than lighting the Hanukkah bismana. I just saw this morning that the Bnei Yisachar and the Kedushas Levi, Mibarditchev, they both say the same bart that in the schus of Hadlakas Neira Shabbos that the women were makbed on, during the time of Hanukkah, they were zeichah to have the nitzachin and the mulchama, and they were zeichah to have the nes of the Pach Shemen, which means that the entire Yeshua of Hanukkah came about because of Shalom Bayis, because people understood the importance of the Neir Shabbos, the importance of making sure that there's Shalom in the house at all costs, being Mevater, Rav Shach's famous vart about the secret to Shalom Bayis. There are three easy steps to Shalom Bayis. Vitor, Vitor, and Vitor. If you want to make sure to have Shalom Bayis in your house, you have to be Mevater, and you have to be Mevater, and you have to be Mevater. This is what is involved in making sure that there's Shalom Bayis. So there's political shalom, there's business shalom, there's shalom bias. All of these things are things that are Hanukkah in Yanim. We learn from Hanukkah the importance that the Rabbani Shalom is the Baal Mulchama. It's not our job to be Baal Mulchama. In life, always take the high road. Whenever you have the opportunity or you feel the duty to make a Mulchama, don't. Run away. Make shalom. This doesn't mean to say that a person has to always be abused. It doesn't mean to say that everybody always has to be the loser. But what it does mean to say is that a person has to be understanding that there's two sides to every story.
and you have to work things out appropriately. You know, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman, when his Rebetzin was nifter, they were married over 50 years. And Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Auerbach gave a hespid that rocked the world. If you look in my book, Great Jewish Speeches, in the section about hespedim of eulogies, it's the last, I think it's the last speech in the whole book. So Rabbi Shlomo Zalman's hespid for his wife. I heard once Rav Shlomo Zalman give a hesped for his brother, who was nifter when I was learning by Rav Shlomo Zalman, and he, he gave the most beautiful hesped that I ever heard in my life. His brother died of a heart attack. He had a very bad heart. And Rav Shlomo Zalman said one memorable statement. I remember exactly where it took place and exactly how he said it. He says, My brother had a shvach, a shvach of hearts. He had a very weak heart. But he had azag gutta hearts. He had such a good heart. He had a, such a weak heart, but he had such a good heart. And Rav Shlomo Zalman, when he, his wife was Nifteris after 50 years of marriage, over 50 years of marriage, an idyllic marriage, Rav Shlomo Zalman said the following amazing statement that rocked the world. The statement was that the minig in Klal Yisrael is that when you must bid somebody you ask Mechila from the mace for any wrongdoing that you may have committed. But I am going to break from tradition, he said, because I have nothing to ask Mechila from my wife for, and she has nothing to ask Mechila from me for, because we were married for over a yevil of years, and we never fought. Everything was Alpida Shulchan Aruch, we never fought. And so I have nothing at all to ask Mechila from her for, and she has nothing to ask me Mechila for. Could you imagine? Could you imagine any mere mortal making such a drasha? It would be a pell if you would say that there is one day that I have in my life that I don't have to ask Mechila from my wife for. But to say for over 50 years that you have nothing to ask Mechila for, that's something that's beyond human comprehension. And this was a hesped that rocked the entire world, when he said these words. And I gave this in to my editor. This was going to be the last hesped of the Sefer. And I have a very, a good friend that's my editor. Not, it's not a, an in-house editor from art school. They edit it after. But before I do that, I give it to my friend. He actually, when he starts editing, he's my friend. By the time he gives it back, he's my real enemy. <laughs> Because he's, 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 he's the perfect type of editor, I guess, that you want. With all of my svarim that I put out, I always give it to him. And he's a very, he has a very biting, critical eye. And everything that he could rip apart, he does. He loves it. This is what he, you know, this is, this is what he does for sport. This is his fun. You know, on the hobby section of his resume, he rips apart Bamberger's farm. This is what he does. In fact, my, my Hebrew svarim... On, is called Shiras Halevi. We have it in the base Medrash. And um, I have a few volumes and, uh, on Megillus Esther, Megillus Rus, and Megillus Shira Shirim. And when I gave it to each one of them, to him um, to edit, you know, and on the cover title page I have in big letters, Shiras, Sefer Shiras Halevi. So 
he writes under it, when he gives it back with full of like red ink all over it, he says that Vanilva Elov and, uh, and it added to it is Kuntras Ech Nashir. And anyway, but this is the type of editor that you want because it was my, my safe is literally half the size that it started out as, but that's good. You want that type of editor. You don't want somebody that slaps you on the back and says, it's beautiful, go to print. This is something that's going to be around, you know, in a hundred years from now. You want to make sure that it's watertight. So he says to me, when he looked over the, uh, the speeches, he says, you're leaving out a major, a major part of this, of this story here. I said, what are you talking about? This is Aspid that Rabbi Shemazama gave. That's it. He said, no, 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 you have to look in a certain sefer, and it was the sefer, Aleinu L'Shabeach, by Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein. And he found it for me in, in the sefer, and I, it's, I put it in a sidebar as an addendum to this hesped, that it's an amazing addition that's absolutely crucial as part of the Messiah of this hesped to, to know. What happened was, is that Rabbi Shlomo Zalman, after his wife was nifter, so he taught one of his Talmidim, who was a chassan, he gave him a chassan shmuz, or he taught him about uh, certain halachas that you have to know for marriage, etc. And then this bacher got married, and then a half a year after the marriage, he bumps into Rabbi Shlomo Zalman. And Rabbi Shlomo Zalman says to him, oh, Shalom Aleichem, How's the chassan doing? He says, Baruch Hashem. No one has the Shalom Bayis going. So he says, Rebbe, he says, I want you to know it's amazing. The Shalom Bayis is mamish amazing. He says, it's been six months now, and we haven't had a single fight. No fighting, six months. So he says, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman looks at him, he says, Hi. Your Rebetzin died? He says, what, what, what's your Shiva talking about? No, she, she's still alive. He says, you gave her a get? He says, no. He says, so then I don't believe you. He says, how can you say that for six months you're married to a woman and you're not fighting at all? So he says, Rebbe, he says, but didn't the Rashiva give a hefspid? For his Rebetzin, that they were married 50 years and you didn't have a single fight? He says, Salaman Igara, like, well, why am I different than the Rashiva? <laughs> so Rabbi Shalman says, you know, everybody misunderstood what I meant. Everybody took me literally. He says, I didn't mean that. He says, I didn't mean that we didn't fight, that we didn't have any disagreements. He says, you're married to another person. You're married to a woman. Women and men are different. Women and men are different in so many ways. Of course there's going to be disagreements. You think, I, you think we're too malachim? You think we never disagreed about anything? He says, that's not what I meant. We have plenty of disagreements. But it's how we dealt with it. It's how we dealt with it. We dealt with it alpi the Shulchan Aruch. We dealt with it in a menshlcha way. We didn't allow ourselves to get out of control. We didn't allow ourselves to raise our voices to one another. 
We didn't permit ourselves to start getting personal, to start engaging in, in, a, in a... in language that's inappropriate. We didn't allow ourselves to do things that were kineged halacha. We treated each other with the utmost of respect and we dealt with every situation accordingly. This is what I meant. This is what I meant. This is what we speak about when we're speaking about shalom. When we're speaking about having peace. Peace does not mean peace does not mean that we have to be malachi asharis. We're human beings. What we mean when we speak about having shalom means that we have to be able to deal with one another in an appropriate way. We have to make sure not to speak disrespectfully to one another, to always be ourselves, to always be proud of who we are, to stay true to our calling, to stay true to our, to our chinuch, to our personalities, to our yichas, to our mahos. This Shabbos I spoke by the Afraf of a Talmud here in Yeshiva, and then I, for those of you that were here, you may have noticed that I ran out after Kedusha. I didn't stay for the Kiddush. And the reason why I ran out was because Peret Steinberg, Zalgazuntzain, who is the Rav Maradasar here in the Young Israel on Main Street, on Young Israel of Queens Valley, who is a very Chashav Talmud Chacham with the Messiah, who Baruch Hashem very close with. He's retiring, he's stepping down as the Rav after. Uh, 50, 60 years of being Rav, and Rabbi Marcus is taking over. And so I wanted to hear his last drasha. I wanted to hear Rabbi Steinberg's last official drasha from the pulpit. So I figured if I would run out and I would get there on time, I'd be able to hear his drasha there. And I came in time, Baruch Hashem, and he gave a beautiful drasha, and I wanted to share just one thing that he, that he said. He quoted a 97-year-old man by the name of, his last name was Vosner. He's a, he's a cousin to Ravosner from Bnei Brak. And he said the following vart, and it made such a reishim on me. It says that during the Sheshis and Meberashis, during the Sheshis and Meberashis, every single day, if you examine the Psukim, with the Chazalim, with the Gemaris, with the Medrashim, you could make a nice book, a nice safer, discussing all that went wrong during Sheshis and Mebrashis. Every single day, uh, you know, the R of the first day, the Rabbi Shalom saw it wasn't Royal Tzadikim, he, he buried it. And the second day, there was a period between the Mayim Halyanim and the Mayim Tachtainim, a big Machlek is there. And then on Wednesday, there was the Ma'iris, they got into a fight. The sun and the moon. The moon says it's not Roy for for Shnei Malachim Lishdamish Bekaser Echad. There's one boss. There can't be two bosses every single day. And then you go to um, Friday, and there was Cain uh, and Hevel, and there was Adam and Chava with the Nachash, and there, Mamish. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. 
every single day of the Bria, one day Gehenna was created, one day everything that went wrong, that could have gone wrong went wrong during the Shay. You'd think the Rabbanu Shalom is in full control of Shesh Mebrejas, it would go smoothly, but nothing went smoothly. The Adama was supposed to be Maitzi, uh, an eight Isa Pri, and the eights didn't taste like the Pri in the end. Mutiny, Machlekes, discord, everything that could happen wrong, happened wrong. And yet, at the end of Sheshiz Mebrashis, what does the Torah say? Vayar Elikim Eskal Asherasa Vinei Taiv Maid. Hakarishparcho surveyed everything that happened during the Sheshiz Mebrashis. Vinei Taiv Maid. It's it's very good. The Rebbeinu Shlom gave a VG on the report card of Sheshiz Mebrashis. It's very good. Pretty good. I'll take a VG on my report card. You know my story about report cards, right? Good. So, uh, so, VG would have been a very good mark for me on my report card in elementary school. So, the Rabbi Shalom gave it a VG. How could he give it a VG? There's nothing but, but one sar after another. It's very good. It's awful. Give it an F. So this 97-year-old man, after a life of observation, said the following pearl of wisdom. It's okay to have problems in life. Life does not have to be perfect, nor can it be perfect. By definition, life is imperfect. We're dealing with human beings, we're dealing with personalities, we're dealing with egos, we're dealing with situations, we're dealing with variables, we're dealing with money, we're dealing with COVID, we're dealing with friends, we're dealing with enemies, we're dealing with war, we're dealing with politics. There's a lot of things in life that go wrong, period. That's life. If you're expecting life to be a smooth ride with no bumps and shock absorbers, that ain't life. But if you're able to deal with those bumps on the road properly, if you're able to tackle every situation in the best way possible and not make it a catastrophe and not make it a huge explosion and not go with a nuclear option and say let's make a mulchama and let's get clicks against this person and let's destroy their reputation and let's destroy them in business and let's destroy their marriage and let's destroy their reputation and their personalities and their kids and let's ruin them utterly but instead of doing that we're able to take the high road and say it's a problem but here's how we're going to get around the problem then you could say, you could look back on the entire Sheshism Abracious and say, If a person is able to live an entire life with all of the imperfections of life, and everybody could say about that person that he was an Ishalim, he was a man of peace, he didn't take the bait, he wasn't willing to get into the ring and fight it out and duel and make a mulchama. 
he left that up to the Rabbeinu Shalom. The Rabbeinu Shalom is the Ish Melchama. Al Anisim, Vala Porkon, Vala Gvurais, Vala Chuais, Vala Melchamais, Shea you did it for us. We're not people of Melchama. If a person would say about me, that he always was pleasant, he always took the high road. He never engaged in a serious machlekes. He always tried to diffuse the bomb instead of making the bomb explode. That would be a very proud moment for me. That would mean that I would get a VG on my report card. And that's very good. That's very good. This is Hanukkah. This is our yantiv to infuse ourselves with truth. The R of Hanukkah is the, like the Chazanish puts it, Ain kol ba'olam. There's no such thing as sadness in the world. Lemi sheroya ar ha'ayr for a person that sees and gazes and perceives the light of truth, there's no sadness. The light of truth is the light of peace. When a person is able to go through life and not take the bait, you will be faced with so many situations in life, if you haven't been already, that you will have such temptation to fight. I want to sue, I want to fight, I want to take it to court, I want to dintaira, I want to win. How dare he, how dare she? Who does that person think they are to do that to me or to you? Let's start up, let's fight, let's get a click. Let's go against them, let's put them in cheyrem, let's excommunicate them, let's not befriend them, let's not allow them to come into our shul. There are so many of these things in life, you don't understand how hurtful and destructive politics are. Interpersonal, communal, whether it's in yeshivas, whether it's in business, in corporations, in marriages, between siblings, you can't do that. If you come out of base Madrash Talmud, you have to understand that this is not the way. This is not the way of a Yid. The Yid is not a fighter. We have to be incapable of fighting. We're not Bali Milchama. We're not wimps. We're not people that are doormats that take everything either. We're not people that could be abused. But there's a far distance between being abused and being the abuser, being the Nirdaf and being the Raidif, there's a very large gap between those two. You shouldn't be the Nirdaf, but you shouldn't be the Raidif either. You should try to find a way to settle and to solve the problem in a way that's Taiv Ma'id. This is what Hanukkah teaches us. My tradition, my minig is here at the Tish every single year, and I'm Purim also, in the shack, that I sing a song that's very dear to me. And for those of you that 
know it already, you'll help me out. And those of you that don't know it, you'll be enriched by knowing it. And I want to just tell you quickly the shirish of this niggin. I had a Rebbe in 7th and 8th grade. I wasn't left back, but I, um, he was, for some reason, we were zeichet to have him two years in a row. And he was a person that really opened our eyes to so much. We were a bunch of modern Orthodox kids and not, not interested too much in learning, not interested in too much in Ruchnias, much more interested in, in all the other things out there. And in our yeshiva, they hired this right-wing rabbi who was a Talmud of Rav Hutner, and he was different. Never had a rabbi like this who was able to, to laugh and then cry to teach us right from wrong, to be able to be so human and so real. And with the chashivas and the achrayas of a, of a real mechanech. And I remember going there for Hanukkah. He invited our shir to come to his house. And he lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Long Beach. You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. The distance between Long Beach and Brooklyn, at least to me, was mamish from Mars to Venus in many different ways. And we went to his house, and I'll never forget his... So beautiful, the house, simple. And his wife set up beautifully for us and I remember she was popping popcorn in the kitchen. I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but that's just kept on bringing out this freshly popped popcorn for Hanukkah. He was nifter a few years later. A man in his 40s. But he changed many, many neshamas. Changed so many neshamas. And he made a profound impact on me, and, and I owe so much to him. Anyway, that Hanukkah, he taught us this niggin, and it wasn't his own niggin. I asked his son recently. I always thought it was his own, but I met his son, and he said it wasn't. But he remembers that his father used to sing it, and he was very fond of it. I don't know if it's a Chaim Berlin niggin, but it's a beautiful, beautiful niggin, and... It's a Hanukkah niggin. It's from Mizmer Shir Hanukkah Sabayis David. It's a Purim niggin because Mizmer Shir Hanukkah Sabayis David is also Shayach to Purim if you look in the Medrashim. So let's sing it together. Araimim Chashem Kidili Sani Kidili Sani Kidili Sani Kidili Savani, Kidili Savani, Kidili Savani, Kidili Savani. 
Oh, 